one thing that really transformed my personality was that ability to just go out and work. I remember waking up around seven and then going all the way to Barhaven, which could have been 40 minutes in traffic, and then running paint jobs all day. And then after that, marketing and after that, doing estimates. And I was working some days from seven to nine, 30 or 10. I've never experienced any of that type of level of work. And then eventually you can take that work, that ethic, and basically you can try and question why is it or how can I do the same amount of work with less effort? And I remember for my first year, I was working on 12 hour days every single day. And I then mastered certain tasks, like always be curious on trying to change what you don't need to do. So I instead, I'm like, I don't want to go pick up paint at a paint store. That doesn't make any sense for me in my third year. So I could automate everything in my business. So I could spend a lot more time reading books, thinking strategy, taking some time off. So I think the main thing I learned with student works that I still use today is constantly be working extremely hard, but at the same time think is there a way to automate this so I don't have to work this hard? And if you constantly work hard and automate the processes you don't have to do, you can be a lot more productive. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. I am super excited to bring you Michael Davidson, a young leader who is uh, just having an incredible career at Adobe Systems, making hundreds of thousands of dollars as a corporate salesperson, you know, achieving promotion after promotion, and is just in the process of closing a deal and uh, getting all the permits in place to actually what looks like create a million dollar profit on a real estate deal. So. On top of a tremendous career, he's also got a, a independent uh, real estate venture and business that he's running on the side, on top of all sorts of learning and wisdom that I'm really excited to share with you today in today's podcast to our young leaders. Thanks so much. I know you're going to love this podcast. All right. So, Michael, welcome to our podcast. I'm really excited uh, for a young leader like yourself to be on our pod and just sharing some of the amazing things that you've already accomplished in your young career. So tell me, Michael, about what it was like before our program. So before the Student Works Painting Program, I was, um, I'd say, a person that really liked to play. Right. I, I didn't have too much discipline to do any work. I didn't like work at all. So, and also work didn't really make sense to me. When I had a job as a bus boy, um, I basically realized that I could work pretty much the least amount to get by and still get paid the same. Um, so I just didn't really think you'd ever need to work hard. It was basically like just try and save your job and that's all you'd need to put in. And that kind of changed when you work for yourself, right? Right. Okay. No, well, that's, no, that's awesome. And so what was your biggest frustration as a teenager, you know, before student works? I find either I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing, <laughs> um, either because of probably two reasons. One, I wasn't listening, which is, you know, definitely a possibility. Or two, no one was telling me why things were important, such as it was kind of like just do your schoolwork just because I said so. And it, school didn't really make sense to me. But when I got clear on that, hey, you go to school, you have more opportunities, you have more doors to open down the road, 
you can make more money. Therefore, it leads to a whole bunch of possibilities. If someone sat down and said that to me, probably when I was younger, I would have maybe had a different tra- trajectory earlier, I would say. Right. Okay. Well, that's awesome. And I know early on, and we should probably touch on this on the podcast, it, you know, you really had a really unique experience because of, because of really some of these understandings yeah. or lack of understanding, right, about, hey, how the world works. Like, really, what was it like for you coming into, a, you know, a student works training room in those, those first, I don't know, six or seven weeks? Yeah. So when I jumped on to the first student works painting program conference, um, I barely knew why I was there, to be honest. Like we were on the road up and I was with a bunch of people carpooling from Peterborough, Ontario. And um, I was sleeping in the back. Uh, you know, I was probably late when they picked me up. Um, they were like, hey, do you even know what you're doing? And I was like, I don't even know. I signed up late. And then, you know, I was falling asleep in the training, um, getting kicked and stuff like that. Being like, hey, wake up. You're in a training program. You know, I don't know. Looking back, it's kind of weird. Maybe my memory is different, but like such a different person. Now it's, you know, I take pride in getting there early, being prepared. And it's, if I don't, I feel bad. So a huge transformation, I'd say. Yeah, no, there's no question, right? Like, you know, for me, Michael, I think who you showed up in that first day of training, and I can just remember you wandering around, shirt hanging out, you know, it's like, you know, like, go talk to him. Like, we're suit and tie. We're all looking sharp. What's going on? And I remember as well, like, like you said, just uh, that there are a few district managers who dealt with you in the recruiting process and early on and just like, Michael's just not listening. And we saw this raw talent because, you know, you do, you did have, have raw talent. Then it was suddenly, you know, just, you know, things started to click, you know, and why don't you tell a story about really where things clicked for you, Michael, you know, you just kind of got, got to the minimums. And then all of a sudden you produced your first job. I remember you telling that story at our trainings over the years. Yeah. So I don't know what it was, but it was one of those days right before May. And, um, you know, I was watching TV in the afternoon. I remember this pretty clearly. And I just remember like, hey, I'm running this painting business. Why am I watching TV? And like some, something just came over my head. It was just like, hey, go out and market. It'll change your life type thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a, a big believer in some omni, you know, God giving advice or anything, but, but it did resonate with me. And it was kind of like something pushed me to get up that day off the TV and market early, even though my general instinct said people get off of work at five, therefore they're home at five 30. You should probably market at five 30. That's the optimal peak time to get leads, right? That makes sense. But for some reason I left around two or three and I, I knocked on, I was, most people weren't home. You know, I, I wasn't wrong. Uh, but I did knock on this person that was staying at home. And that ended up getting me a $3,400 paint job that I mostly painted myself. And it, I did over budget materials because I wasn't that good at estimating yet. So I ended up making like $1,700 in profits in like a short amount of time. Like it had to be like three or five business days. And that, that was how much I made Two months in the as a busboy cleaning toilets and you know fixing grills and stuff like that and cooking, so that that really hit home. I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, seventeen hundred dollars in a week. Like I, that was two months of work. That's you know eight weeks worth of work. Um, you know, and when I when I talked to Steph, Steph was like, "Dude, we've been telling you this for like three or four months. Like, what what the heck, right? Uh, we've been telling you you've been able to 
make a lot of money here. So once I got the first paycheck, that's when really everything clicked. I was actually shocked that this was possible. I don't know if it wasn't like just a lack of certainty in the program. It just seemed too good to be true that you have this program here where you can be like 17 years old making, you know, some people make, you know, 50 to 100K in, in, the, in the year if they're just absolutely crushing it. I know your, your records are, are pretty high these days, people doing 200K in gross revenue and stuff like that. So um, it just didn't seem possible. And even when I was telling people after my first year how much I made, they were like, no, dude, that's, that's not possible. Right. And, you know, you're a liar. And I worked my ass off and I made, you know, $3,000. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. Because I know one of the things I remember, uh, Michael, is I do one of the things I make a practice of is, is calling the leaders in, in the Student Works program, you know, every week, the top 20% of our leaders. And, and it was all of a sudden in early May, it was like just a regular call to Michael. And I remember the first call I called you went, wow, I'm, I like you calling me. Well, here's what you do. You just keep booking a lot of work, Michael, and I'll keep calling you. And then, then the next week, yeah, Chris, hey, how are you? You know, so, yeah. so I remember it. And you just, again, it was like the light bulbs came on and you really, really started putting, putting that time in. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was like, oh, Chris is calling me. What did I do wrong? And then it slowly transitioned to, of course, Chris is calling me this week, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what do you still rely on from the program now? I would say uh, the discipline is super important. Like um, there's personality traits, something called like, you know, the big five, which is the most valid personality test you can do. And I'd highly recommend some for you and some other people that's, you know, 15 or 20 bucks. It's understandingmyself.com. Right. Really great. And uh, there's certain characteristics in the big five and, you know, there's industriousness and there's a, a bunch of other ones. But one thing that really transformed my personality was that ability to just go out and work. I remember waking up, you know, you know, around seven and then, you know, going all the way to Barhaven, which could have been 40 minutes in traffic and then, you know, running paint jobs all day. And then after that marketing and after that doing estimates and I was working, you know, some days from seven to nine thirty or 10 at night. And I, I've never experienced any of that type of level of work. And then eventually you can take that work, that ethic. And basically, you can try and question why is it or how can I do this, the same amount of work with less effort? And I remember for my first year, I was working, you know, 12 hour days every single day. And I then mastered certain tasks, like always be curious on trying to change what you don't need to do. So I, instead, I'm like, I don't want to go pick up paint at a paint store. That doesn't make any sense for me in my third year. Right. So I could, I could automate everything in my business. So I could spend a lot more time reading books, thinking strategy, taking some time off. Right. So I think the main thing I learned with student works that I still use today is, you know, constantly be working extremely hard, but at the same time think, is there a way to automate this so I don't have to work this hard? And if you constantly work hard and automate the processes you don't have to do, you can be a lot more productive. Yeah, no, and I, and I know as well, one of the things that my sense about you, Michael, is you're really, you know, committed to mastery and getting better and better and better. I know you spent a number of years in our program. You just kept getting better and better. And again, not just more money and more volume, but just how you were running the business. And it just seemed, again, just at an ease. And, and, and you were coaching more and more people in the business and being more and more of a mentor in the business. What have you done to make that happen? And then also, what sort of uh, have you relied on in terms of personal development, like, like you were sort of referring to earlier? To make that happen, 
I think a lot of it has to do with you know personal development and also being wrong about myself. For example, and my first year was really troubling for me was, you know, doing really well. Um, I ended up being kind of like a, a dictator is like was my personality kind of was more and more revealed. Right. Because it seemed to me like the fastest way to get things done were just to like command orders, right? Like, hey, do this paint job. This is exactly how I want you to do it. This is the quality that I need. And I noticed that some of my friends were uh, slowly, I remember one day I was in university and I was, I was trying to build an Ikea desk and one of my best friends came over and I, I was basically on the phone, you know, running my business or something. I'm like, this is how I want you to do build, help me build this desk. And then I just walked out of the room. <laughs> and it was like a series of those types of things where people like after my friend was just like, Hey dude, you're kind of a dick. Right. And I didn't really see it as a dick. I'm like, that's just who I am. Right. Right. That's just like, that's just how my personality is. It's great for a lot of things, not so good in other things. And, you know, so Personal development, attending uh, courses like, you know, Landmark Education was great. Uh, Millionaire Mindset Intensive. Tony Robbins is really great. Talking to people about what the best programs are for them and what they learned and then taking those book, books back. Right. And listening to a lot of podcasts. Podcasts were, was, is a lot more popular today than it was in the past. Um, podcasts didn't exist too much like nine years ago. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's about being curious, asking people what has helped them grow so much and then doing the same thing. Yeah, no. And also as well, just to, to comment as well, it's also being coachable because that's the other thing you are is you're coachable. It's, it's your friend said that, and then you considered it and you said, okay, Hey, there's a strength to being that way, Michael. And you can use that power in that strength, but also soften those edges because that's not how you are. You know, that's not, you know, you're again, st still strong and powerful, you know, you'll ask for what you want, but with a rounded edge, you know, being nice, enroll people, you know, interest people, excite people in what you're, you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's right. Why don't you walk me through, you know, post student works, you graduated from Trent. I know you decided to stay in Ottawa, you know, what your sales career, because, because obviously been very, very successful in a sales career. Why don't you walk me through decisions about why you decided to go into sales, who you worked with, what you learned, you know, what the plan was and what you've succeeded at. Yeah. I'll also tie in a bit about my personal life too, because I think that's important because it wasn't just all success, like bang, 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 you know, promotion, promotion, promotion. Even though if I, if I just told you my career path, it would look like that. Right. So after I graduated, um, working, you know, with a program for three summers, I just needed some time for myself because it was just go, go, go. So I took the summer off um, and I noticed that without a certain job, career or vocation, your chaos enters life really quick. When no money's around, you're spending money, life just gets really shitty, right? So during that summer, I realized like, hey, I, you know, I don't know everything and I can't just become financially free doing nothing. Right. Like I tried to do that and it was actually pretty successful. I was, I was property managing. I got free shelter from property managing. I had a, a room that I managed a building. So, and then I would make cash flow above that, but I was still spending more than I was making. So that kind of ended up driving my life like pretty lost into a quarter life crisis. And then from there, I just, I had to leave Peterborough immediately and just go to my parents' place. Okay. And my parents' place were like, why don't you just get a job and get stability again? 
But my, my ego from like, hey, I can't get a regular minimum wage job because I'm this operator that does a lot of business. I would make more in a summer than I would in a year as a minimum wage worker, right? Right. But then I got, I was just like, you know what, I'll give it a shot. So I, I jumped into a software admin slash sales slash contracting job. I was 15 bucks an hour. So that was my first, first real job outside of student works. And it was absolutely awful. Going from running your own business and being independent and doing what you want when you want, driving your own sales uh, is uh, really different from going into an office, clocking at 8.30 or 9, working till 5 in a very toxic environment. Like people were getting like heart attacks in the office. People were like getting bullied. It was just, and I could definitely understand those memes about, you know, oh, Mondays are awful. Right. I never really understood that with student works. It was just like every day is a grind. You make a ton of money, you work hard, right? but you, you go on money and you're like, oh my God, I do not want to see that person, this person, that person's pretty rude to me. Right. So that's my first job of the corporate world. And it was kind of like, man, student works was heavy compared to this, right? Right. From there, it was, I started the job in January. I immediately knew I hated the job. Um, so, and then I said, you know what? I'm going to just, and I was making about 15 bucks an hour, which translates to 30K a year. Right. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but by the end of this year, I'm going to make six figures. I'm going to get a contract for six figures. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was listening to a bunch of secrets, you know, the secret law of attraction, blah, blah, blah. So I basically put my position as somebody who would make over $100,000 a year or get a contract. And I was, I was 22 or 22, I believe at the time. So I updated my LinkedIn. I did all the actions required to get a six figure job. Right. I repracticed my French. Um, and then I actually got a headhunter called me from Adobe saying, Hey, I just saw your LinkedIn. You have all the character traits that we're looking for in a position. Uh, we're going to hire you for six figures. And I was absolutely blown away. Wow. So, uh, I was like, wow, this law of attraction <laughs> stuff really works. Going from, you know, 15 bucks an hour to a six figure contract was pretty insane. And I was like 22 or 23 at the time. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I did that role for about uh, two and a half years. And then I recently got promoted to an account executive position for Eastern Canada as a, yeah, an account executive, which is great. I manage my own clients, I get an account list, I get a territory. Um, and that's been absolutely incredible experience. And it's exactly similar to what I was doing. You still have independence. Like I can work from home. I can work anywhere I want in the world because I have a quota. Right. I have commission. I'm not salary only. Um, so I had to find a job that resonated with my personality type, which is, and I also wanted the lifestyle, which is great. Cause when you, when you work for a big corporation, you get the corporate credit cards, you get all these marketing events, you, you develop all the contacts. So I have somewhat of a similar type of role, but it's just in the corporate world. And what was great about the corporate world for me is um, I get to learn a different style of, you know, bureaucracy and, different type of, you know, political games within an organization. Right. At the same time, I could focus on upgrading my education because it had a uh, educational reimbursement plan. So we'd be getting about 13,000 Canadian each year. So I did my MBA on top of that. So that led me to, I just got another promotion two weeks ago. Right. So great. They said, you're, you're doing awesome work. We're going to give you a bump in pay. Uh, I'm pretty happy with what I do. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been going pretty good. I got a MBA out of it, which is great. Are you enjoying the episode so far? I'm sure you've heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. 
I've always thought that saying was inaccurate. I believe more accurately, it's who you know, who think highly of you and would be willing to refer you. I want to let you know, I put together an amazing package for you. The four referability habits advantage. These habits are so powerful that when followed, they completely change the game for people and allow them to operate on a whole other level. If you're interested in getting your hands on the four referability habits advantage, just jump over to www.leaderspodcast.ca slash habits and download it for free. These habits will help you gain the respect of everyone you deal with so that you can land those important referrals in your life and business. Once again, just go to www.leaderspodcast.ca and download the Four Referability Habits Advantage. Now, back to our Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Oh, fantastic. And how old are you now, Michael? I'm 27. 27. So that's that's pretty fantastic. And one of the things I'd say as well is, is that is that I think one of the reasons that Adobe Opportunity so opened up for you was because, in fact, you were underemployed. You know, the reality is, is you shouldn't have stepped out from who you were as a massive performer with us into the role that you were in. And that it was kind of a misstart, right? A misjump. You know, you jumped into the real world and that the original strategy you used wasn't a strategy that was going to work right then or it didn't work. So you went home, regrouped, got a job. And then, because I'm not surprised at all, because, you know, we've had so many young people from our program enter into corporate sales and do, do really well. Like, you know, why do you think our performers do so well in corporate sales? Why do you think it's a fit for them when you learn? And what, what do you like about doing corporate sales? Again, a lot of it comes down to personality test is what a lot of the results are from, you know, psychology. Right. Um, so th- there's two main areas. You know, one of them is it's basically kind of order and chaos. So generally speaking, people that are very orderly um, will tend to be good performers within uh, organizations that involve like politics and being on time and all that type of stuff. And entrepreneurs are actually naturally better being more open, but they don't really like that routine, the industriousness. So I think student works is somewhat like a corporate job in a sense, but you also get the experience of an entrepreneur. So you get both worlds. So you can pretty much go into either or. I really like corporate because it, you know, I get the benefits of, I can be inside, which is like, when you look at your ideal job for me, it's like, I would love to be able to control the environment I'm in. Right. If I'm doing something like, let's say, roofing, and I'm a trades guy, I have to be on a roof, whether it's rain or shine, right? Right. So I think that is what it's, what's attracted, attractive for me. You can get good pay. You can get uh, control your environment. You can get, you know, ability to travel. It, it was all this one bundle. I think that's what attracts people that are in student alumni to go into the corporate world. And the reason why they're good at it is because they have, have all this time for time management that they've gained in student works, from communication with clients, marketing, uh, pretty much every role that you do in an independent individual business, you get to do in a corporate role, or at least you get the experience from all, so you can do like one role really well. 
Right. And when you look at your role at Adobe, you know, are you finding an opportunity for growth or, you know, you're finding that the team of people that you're working with, that your managers or leaders in that organization are helping develop you as well? Yeah. So it really depends on who your manager is. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll get managers in different countries that you talk to over the phone. You, they never really get to know you and they manage a team of, let's say, you know, 10 to 15 people. I see. And you don't get to grow as much in those positions. Then you get more, you get different managers that have different skills. And when you meet a great manager, like I have a really good manager right now, um, and you'll learn so much. So I think a lot of people say, hey, look, if you're going to go into a job, just make sure you have a good manager, a good coach. Right. Because it's much better to take a pay cut and get a good manager than it is to get a high pay and not learn anything. Right. Because, you know, the trajectories, you'll make a ton more money if you're actually good at what you do versus just collecting a paycheck. 100%. 100%. I can't agree more. You know, like just that mentorship, that leadership, that coaching is really what it's about. So what have been some of your biggest mistakes or challenges or failures so far in your career? I know short career, but anyhow. I'm not sure. Well, then how do you manage the, the setbacks? And obviously it must be long sales cycles and challenges of working around and getting these, these large deals to close. Because I know how much money you make and it's a whole bunch. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so these deals that you're signing must be really enormous. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think the thing that slows, that slows most people down is basically your reputation and how you show up. Okay. So there is a lot of times where you have to show up very well. And if you slack that time, it will come down hard on you. So I'll give you an idea. Let's just say there's a big meeting yeah. you got invited on for your first time. I remember this actually happened to me. So there was this big meeting um, I was supposed to attend with in the afternoon. And um, there was a time change or something like that that I wasn't aware of. Right. And I was supposed to meet them there at a certain time. But like, I didn't really know too much about where we were meeting because it's the first meeting I was going to. I wasn't sure if we were meeting in the client or downstairs. Anyways, I ended up late to the first meeting they invited me to. Right. Which just seemed awful um, because they're like, hey, like, don't even bother coming up the building because you're late. You know what I mean? Right. And it was like, that was, it was just awful for, for the first meeting you get invited, you, you know, ask, hey, man, I want to go in the field. I want to learn. Eventually, I want to become an account executive. Yeah. And then they're finally like, yeah, sure. And then you become late for that. Yeah. It's like those, well, I remember another time too, it happens like very rarely, but when it does on those days where you need to show up well, if you don't, it's just awful. One time, this was probably one of the worst ones, but these didn't have a major impact on my career, but it's just moments where you just feel like absolute shit. Another one, I was awful. This one was like the worst. Um, we were in Washington. I was meeting my new team, my new manager. And there were, for some reason, he called the meeting at like 8 a.m. or like 8.30 a.m. or something like that. Right. And uh, the Canadian team that I was supposed to bond with and you know, grow with, they go out partying the night before. Right. Right. And uh, everyone just gets absolutely wasted. I was the only one with a meeting the morning of. Right. So it was, everyone was like, oh, let's go. And I, you know, I'm trying to like bond with them and develop a relationship. And the next morning, my alarm clock doesn't go off or I, I slept through the calls. Yeah. And I ended up was like got sick from drinking the night before. 
So I look at the time, it's like already 8.30. I'm like, oh shit, the meeting already started. I'm at the hotel. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm, I ask for a shuttle. The shuttle comes in like 20 minutes. I'm going there. My eyes are bloodshot. I feel sick. I puke out the shuttle window. It was absolutely awful. Um, I end up at the meeting. I said, you know, I just show up and they're just like, Michael, you're like, you know, 40 minutes late. I'm like, I know, I know it's awful. And moments like that, you just like, those are like the epitome of failures. Yeah. I think. So I think any time where you have to show up properly, whether it's a quarterly business review, an annual meeting or something like that, you just really got to make sure you don't fuck it up. Yeah, no. And, and I think it's even more than that. Thank you, first of all, for just sharing so authentically, right? And again, you know, our young leaders hearing, hey, you know, people mess up, right? And even really successful people do. But obviously, you can't do that a whole bunch or you just lose your job. You just lose your credibility. And yes, there's everyone can make some mistakes, but that's it. And you understand as well, just from the values that we teach in our program, you know, be on time, the four referability habits of how that is just so critical in people just having trust in you, having faith in you that you're going to go do the job, right? Yeah. That's great. And so, so I know as well, you've uh, also got involved in uh, real estate. Yes. How did you learn about that? You know, what have you done in that area? Because, you know, yes, you've got a corporate career going on, but on top of it, you've got an entrepreneurial venture going on the side. Yeah, that's right. No, thanks for asking. I love real estate. Real estate's definitely one of my passions. So I actually, when I was in the Student Works program, Corey McKinnon, who was, you know, your uh, second man. Vice president. Yeah. Yeah, VP, second in command. Uh, he was great. He worked really hard at, you know, at Student Works, and he was definitely a good role model. Very serious, very disciplined, uh, worked really well. And he also had a, a real estate business on the side. Mm -hmm. And seeing him go from like having several properties to pretty much becoming financially independent from his real estate portfolio was definitely interesting. So I ended up as an alumni calling him, asking for help with uh, real estate, getting started and all that type of stuff. Ended up buying uh, my first property. And since then, I, I purchased two more properties. I got one that I'm putting in an offer in soon. So that'll be my fourth. Wow. And I'm, I'm trying to sever um, one of my waterfront properties and now we're north of Ottawa to build on it this year as well. So I'll have uh, you know, five properties. Um, and then I'm converting one of my first properties, which is a, a single detached family house, five bedroom. I'm doing a, an extension on the back of it. So I'm converting one house into pretty much four units and it could have between 14 and 18 bedrooms in it. I'm going back and forth with the city depending on uh, how I go about it. But that, that could bring in approximately um, $150,000 on the high end gross revenue for rent. Wow. Which would make the building worth about $2.1 million with the cap rate metrics that we're using around 5%. Uh, which is the going rate in Ottawa. So, and that would cost me potentially, um, let's just say all in with my mortgage currently plus building less than a million dollars. Wow. So that one project will make me a millionaire, which will be pretty cool um, when I get all the, the permits right now. I received the official permit, but there's something I want to do some revisions. I could add some bedrooms that would bring the valuation a little higher. So that's exciting. I was at a Tony Robbins conference, Unleash the Power Within in November, 
which Corey McKinnon recommended. Right. And uh, it was interesting because one of my goals is just like for fun, let's just, you know, become a millionaire at 27 or in 2019. And uh, I could hear these voices in the back of my head like, yeah, but like you got to be realistic. Like that's not really possible. And with Tony Robbins being there for like four days, he really rewires you to the point where at the end of the conference, I was, I was pretty confident that I could do it. I was like, yeah, I can. I'm like, I'm actually certain that I can become a millionaire. I just have to find out how to go about that, write a plan and then execute on that plan. And now I have the plan. It's, it's like right in front of my eyes. It's, it's pretty incredible. That's awesome. And again, I commend you, Michael, to go out and reach out for the coaching, reach out for the courses, reach out for the mentors. Because again, no one goes out or there are so few people who go out and actually go recreate things, right? It's, it's, they're all getting coached. They're all going to, to program so they can learn, so they can develop. They, they also have a group of people who they spend time with. So what about you? Do you still hang out and have a, a group of StudentWorks people who are, are your friends and people who you, you spend time with? Yeah, um, I talk to pretty much people that are in the StudentWorks alumni just have a special, I don't know, place in my heart. And I think that's for everyone. So people that join ended up just connecting with other people. And if you are a student works alumni and you reach out to me, I'll most likely pick up the phone and chat, right? Because you guys know what you've been through and it, it was tough and you guys have something in common. And uh, there's generally a lot of smart people that enter the program and leave the program successfully. So um, yeah, I, I still keep in touch. Some of my best friends actually I met on the President's Club trip. Mm -hmm. So for those listening that are, you know, doing this program, they should definitely get there because uh, Matt Andrews is one of my, you know, one of my best friends today. And uh, I don't see him often anymore because he's, you know, traveling the world and stuff like that. But yeah, just some people that are like meant to be your friends, you'd never meet unless you did student works painting. So if, if someone wanted to do what you did and, you know, develop a really successful life as you have, and, and again, it's multifaceted, you know, career, physical health, you know, achieving academically as well. And it personally, what key habits would they want to steal from you? Mike? I would say they would want to write their ideal lifestyle down on a piece of paper. And a lot of people that I talk to, they're like, hey, Mike, you're super successful. How do you go about doing what you do? I say, just write down your ideal lifestyle, write down what you need to do, and then just do it. And it seems so simple. And then the most common response I get to that is, hey, what if I don't know what I want to do? And it's like, okay, well, if you, if you don't know what you want to do, how you, I'm sure you know how you want to feel. Okay. Right? So like, I wake up and the ideal would be like, I wake up and go, woo, you know, jump in the shower, run, run with my dog, maybe do some yoga, do some meditation, read, you know, 10 to 20 pages, crush my job, right. eat super healthy, hit the gym, um, have tons of energy. Right. And um, then before bed, I have, you know, journal, how, you know, the successes of the day, all that type of stuff. And then, uh, you know, walk my dog for some more exercise, maybe do some yoga, some meditation. And then uh, read before bed and, and call it a night. Right. So the feeling is super important, how you want to feel if you don't know. And people go, well, I don't know how I want to feel. Well, then I'm just like, okay, now you're, you're being difficult. Tell me how you don't want to feel. Because right. that, that's the easiest way. So you don't want to wake up in pain, right? You don't want to be in an environment where, you know, your coworkers are just assholes, right? You don't want that. For sure. You don't want to be in like a country that has bombs going off. Like it's very simple of what you don't want. So if you have absolutely a terrible time figuring out what you want, 
Just write down everything you would absolutely hate. Reverse that. Just be like, what's the opposite of each of these things? You have an ideal life for you. And then from there, just what are the actions that you need to do to achieve that? And if you don't know, you can just look up like every line item. Um, for example, if it's like want to feel good or want to want to be lean, you can just look up how to be lean on Google and find out like you probably should get rid of carbs. You should probably have more fats or mac count your macros and all that type of stuff. Right. So there, there's an equation to the success, but people just have to figure out what what they want. And I and I personally think that um, everyone wants a similar thing. It's just they just want to live peacefully and happy and they want to cause the least amount of destruction onto other people because that then would make them feel bad. So generally just li living a good, happy life in peace and not causing too much harm to others. That's pretty much the fundamentals, I think. Right. Well, and by the way, I, I really do believe, Michael, that you're right. The most important starting point always is what do I want? Yes. And not copping out of, oh, I don't know. No, you do. Yeah. You know, just getting to what do I want? And then with what do I want? Then again, there's, as you mentioned, all the things I can Google. Then there's all the people I know. Then there's coaching programs. There's different programs so that then I can go and start taking action. And action is the only thing that's going to get you what you want in your life. And again, you know, with those actions, then I can keep getting a little better, a little better, a little better, a little better every day in every way so that I actually can get the life that I want. You know, just or as close to proximity as possible, because the, you know, one of the things I always love to say is no matter what, life's going to be hard. Like you were sort of saying, hey, life really bites if I'm in a job and you were in a job. Hey, people were nasty. They weren't very comfortable. There, a lot of people were in pain, you know, in this negative environment. Yeah. Now you're in this environment where you're working really, really hard. Right. And yeah. you're getting up early and you're studying, you know, you're working out and you're eating right. And these things that are disciplined, a lot of people, Michael, say that's hard. Yeah. And it is hard. But it's we get to choose. What do we really want? Yeah. I'm really uh, enthusiastic. And again, you offer a great role model to our young leaders here. Just going, hey, you know, what choices do you want to make in your life? Yeah. And I think, too, it's important to note that some people won't be able to just get out of bed and have a, a crazy day like that yeah. off day one, right? So, and some of the personal development that I've done has definitely cleared that up because before I took this personality test, when I'm, you know, in the 90th plus percentile of being industriousness, meaning I can just wake up and grind and have a great day. Right. Some people that are super low, meaning like they're the worst at waking up out of bed, they have a lot harder of a time to just do that type of stuff. So for them, what I'd recommend is negotiating with themselves be like okay well if i can't get up right away instead of two hours in bed let's make it an hour and 50 minutes to start right right and then the next day it's maybe an hour and 45 minutes in bed and then you get down to a certain point where you're like getting out of bed in five minutes or getting out of bed and, you know eventually you just jump out of bed right. right so for people like us it's easy like yeah why isn't everyone doing like what we do right but for some people it, it is challenging so you got to be able to negotiate if i do something that's getting in an improvement maybe i'll reward myself with let's say seeing a movie or something like that or a treat, right? Right. Yeah. The only thing that I will say is, Michael, we started this podcast by saying, look where your life was 10 years ago, right? And look where, yeah. where your habits were, right? And just look where they are now. You know, a lot of times people think, wow, look what I can do in this day or this year or this month. Well, no, look what can you do in a decade, right? And just by constant progress, constant progress. And, and I, think, I think that that is really a great way of looking at it, Michael, is just is again, sometimes 
you know, it's just about just moving a little bit, moving a little bit. You know, I love the idea of just getting 1% better. Just get 1% yeah. better every day. And if I get 1% better, hey, my life's just going to keep getting better. I really like that. And you're right as well, Michael, that, hey, not everyone is set up to do what we do. Yeah. And again, we actually do a, do a program called Predictive Success, which actually we profile all of our operators and actually share that information with them and give them a whole great idea about who they are, nice. what they need to do, how they need to you know, coach themselves, uh, you know, et cetera, so that they can perform at their best. Since you've left the program, we've been able to invest in that and really, really assess us. So one final question. You know, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, Michael, what comes to mind? This question is interesting because it's a tough one for sure. I think there's two people that come to mind. One is uh, probably, everyone knows it, but Elon Musk, right? Sure. And he has some great stories. One was, you know, he, in, in 2014, he gave away his patents for all his, his cars, right? And his, he was all the shareholders are like, what the hell are you doing? You're literally giving our competitive advantage away. Right. And what he said in the shareholders meeting was, if you're on a boat and the boat is sinking and you have buckets, are you going to pass those buckets around? And they said, yeah, of course, if you're sinking, he says, that's planet earth, right? We have a huge problem that's bigger than the bottom line right now. And that's fixing the planet. So we don't all die. Right. So I think that type of leadership is something that's going to be more prevalent from now on. So that, that's kind of on the, the, I would say, being responsible for the planet is going to be huge. Yeah. Uh, and certain types of industries, like whether it's healthcare, you know, machine learning, finances, all that type of stuff, space travel, that will be one type of leader. And the other one leader that comes to my mind is Jordan Peterson. Have you heard of him? Absolutely. Read his books, listened to his podcasts. Yeah. He is a huge inspiration to me personally. And, you know, my mom used to send me the videos just, and I'd be like, mom, stop sending me religious garbage. Like, I'm, I'm so tired of you sending me all this stuff, right? And then I find out about it in one of his great um, interviews that he had a really good point. And then I started, like, just obsessing about his content. And I realized my mom was still sending me those like, oh, you should check out this one. And I'm like, oh my God, as if I didn't like pay attention to you earlier because, you know, I love the content. So he's more around the carry a big load. Um, you know, life is absolutely tough, which is different than I used to think. I used to think like, no, no, like what planet are you guys from? My life is great all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I wake up and it's just, you know, sunshine every day. Um, but you can't really relate to that. Like, so someone's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm, I'm freaking amazing all the time. How are you? They're like, well, you know, I think I might have cancer. Am I like, you know, back hurts and all this other shit. You're like, holy shit, man, that's, that's awful. Right. And then it, you can't really relate. So I think, you know, learning from Jordan Peterson, it's all about morality, carrying a big load, doing, aiming for the best you can possibly aim. And that, that's something that's really been impactful for me is, is just trying to be a better person. Yeah. And uh, I was listening to him this morning, actually. And he was basically saying, if you think you can get away from something, you, that's your ego or something along those lines. Like, let's just say you, a waiter comes and gives you like $10 extra right. or whatever. Something like The average person will be like, sweet, she made a mistake. That's her fault. I'll just take that 10 bucks, whatever it is. Yes. But somebody of like a high morality, high virtue would say, hey, look, 
you gave me 10 extra dollars here, here it is back. And he says, if you think you can get away with that, you're wrong. You will never get away with taking that $10 because deep down, you know, you know, you took it. Yeah. And every, every kind of small thing like that creates a world of chaos and evil. And eventually it ended up like, uh, if you look at some, you know, Solzhenitsyn that wrote the Gulag Archipelago, if you, I'm reading that book now, it's just like, holy crap, people didn't say anything. And like tens of millions of people died and they got tortured. Right. And same thing with Nazi Germany. And uh, the whole purpose of the book was the guy reflected on whether he was the cause of the Gulag Archipelago. And it was uh, that book actually ended up, it was a huge impact on taking down the Soviet Union and the Nazi Germany was that book alone. So I think that's another type of leader is just someone who's just going to stand up for the right thing. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that uh, coming soon. Awesome. Michael, I'm just, it really is amazing who you've become in the last decade, right? I love your spirit. I love your energy. And thank you so much for, for sharing with the group here today, our young leaders. And I know they're going to be inspired by your story. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah. And thanks for taking time out from uh, your trip in Costa Rica. So go have a blast. I, I know you will. And uh, yeah. we, we'll, we'll talk to you when you get back home. Okay. Thanks so much, Chris. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders, we've got a ton more interviews like this one coming up in the next few weeks. So if you're listening and you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to Leaders of Tomorrow. If you enjoy our content, please give us a share on your Facebook feed or better yet, tell your three most driven and entrepreneurial friends about this podcast so they can join us in discovering what set these powerful business leaders apart from the crowd at such a young age.